This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I'll do your dirty work, Matt, but don't pretend your hands are clean. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 318, The Singularity, is brought to you by the one and only Coulson's S.H.I.E.L.D., it's not just a metaphor anymore. When we catch you up on what went down, RTs act, Mac, alarms, Mac, fits. How's it coming? Uh, Lincoln is rebooting things with his inhuman powers, and May wants to know: Are the tests back? Pete, more impressive uh, than that was the shot starts out with this great overhead shot really selling the expansive set as Mac makes his way through. It continues, continues, continues. This is probably like a 45-second uncut Steadicam shot. Maybe there's a hidden cut when they go from the hallway into the hangar area, you know, kind of a Hitchcockian hidden hidden moment, but... This was this was stunning. This is something that the show has not done before. Pete, I felt like we were on the West Wing with such a, a, a lengthy walk and talk here, and uh, you were in the you were in the playground, not the West Wing. They're they're nearby, <laughs> but two different facilities. Indeed, no, nothing talks about incompetence at Washington D.C. Uh, given that they can't find Shield headquarters in the uh, the D.C. metro area. But I digress. May has reported that only Daisy was affected and the base is okay. So check one for expositional catch-up. Vital information has been transferred to Zephyr One. Uh, no lives were lost here. So May is convinced that uh, Daisy and Hive uh, controlling her did not want to hurt anyone within S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Coulson, however, he's going another way. And he explains here that um, Daisy is still one of them and uh, that Hive thinks it can break their legs, meaning his, and they will stop coming for it. Uh, but he's building an inhuman army here and uh, they're going to go after it. It's a stirring speech that he gives to the assembled series regulars and handful of anonymous extras that have shown up. Um he tells everyone to strap in because you may feel sick after this. It's hunting time. And then there's a fantastic effects shot of Zephyr One on its side, taking off through the half-opened bay doors. Again, no one in the D.C. metro area is going to notice that the ground has opened up a little bit. Um, it's willful suspension of disbelief. Then, Pete, we go across the country to Los Angeles, home of Agent Peggy Carter those 60 years ago. Hive <laughs> and Daisy are looking over the city. There's two reveals here, Pete, that Hive has Grant's memories. Well, I guess there's three. The second reveals that Grant is kind of glad that Grant is dead. The third is you can see Dodger Stadium from where they're at, <laughs> setting up future wordplay in a little bit. But I'll just let that teaser hang in the air. I can't quite uh, agree that it's a reveal that um, Hive has Ward's memories because we've dealt with that before. Revealed to Daisy. I, I admit I did not put it as, as accurately as I could, yes. but it's revealed to Daisy. And in the course of this conversation here reveals that uh, Grant Ward was a thirsty soul there. And like you said, uh, where, where Daisy is glad he is dead, um, Hive revealing that uh, Grant would also seem to feel that way. But um, when we come to uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. again, it's the discussion here that uh, Daisy is addicted to what Hive is providing her. It's not as parasitic as it would have seemed before. Simmons explains that uh, her pleasure centers... Uh, inhuman pleasure centers are swarmed here that the dendrotoxin will not work. So 
icers will be ineffective. However, Matt. Is there any help, Pete? Is there a Scotsman who might know something that could counteract this? Of course there is. You mean a Scottish doctor, Pete? A Scotsman. (laughs) A a Scottish doctor? Doctor who, Pete? Doctor what? Um, Dr. Radcliffe here, who uh, previously had a nice reputation. However, he was asked to step down from his positions due to some irregular research. And uh, stated that uh, his interest is to use technology to supplement humanity to kind of make, maybe not necessarily all of us, but to make uh, some people uh, more than human. There's a little uh, snide comment there from Lincoln, you know, oh, kind of, being slightly offended they want to be more inhuman uh it, it's 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 given in the subtext without the need for direct dialogue which i uh, appreciated elsewhere on zephyr one mac is packing up he has a lot on his mind pete i think that's an excuse for him to leave the scene because Fitzsimmons are going to have a shrouded conversation they are the first of several in this episode picking up the thread from last week here uh Dr. Fitz, Dr. Simmons here discuss their work relationship and also want to discuss whatever happened last night, which we can only assume is what took place in the previous episode when Daisy decided to tear apart the hangar and the rest of the headquarters. Uh, But it's the idea that they should consider the variables, that it's complicated, Fitz explains uh, you mean like once they have sex, <gasps> Simmons blurts out, "Oh my God, Matt! Fitzsimmons said sex." I'm I'm still blushing, Pete. We can't conclude the scene without mentioning that uh, Agent May gives Simmons a gun. Yeah. Now, I want to point out to this uh, this thing that I don't know that we've ever mentioned before on the podcast. There's this dramatic principle that every memorable event in a fictional story must be necessary and irreplaceable and should not be removed. And Pete, there's a phrase for that because it was said by Anton Chekhov. Um, If there's a rifle hanging on the wall, it absolutely must go off. Pete, that's called Chekhov's gun. And I think here that we have a literal gun that has been given to... Well, I know it's a literal gun, but I think it's also an example of this Chekhov's gun thingy, but it's an actual gun this time. Back in Los Angeles, Matt, Daisy zips the backpack with the Cree device still unnamed there in the back. Um, Hive asks her if she thinks that um, S.H.I.E.L.D. will come after her. Uh, She maintains that Coulson thinks she needs protecting and then corrects him that her name is actually Daisy, but Grant had known her as, oh yeah, that was the other name. Pete, as they overlook Dodger Stadium, Hive tells Daisy to run home, and the former Grant Ward is told of her metaphorical meeting with her parents in a a field of dreams, but she's struck out in the parent department. Why is she sharing all of this? Because they're all connected. Hive says they're all on one team now. Yes, they are one organism, as she is explained there. Meanwhile, Pete, on Zephyr 1, Talbot is hopping mad that S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't responding to Hydra. Uh, But before he gets hung up on Pete, he does share a couple other things. Yes, Talbot tells Coulson that he, as director, started this. Now he needs to see it through, whatever that is. May catches Coulson as he's hanging up here, asks if he feels like sharing here, and Coulson tells her that if it becomes a thing, he'll let her know. She wants to know if Coulson told Talbot about Daisy. He did not. The conversation then centers on uh, Alicia, the uh, inhuman who can make copies of herself, uh, that Lash had killed one of the doubles and that they suspect that could be a play that Hive could make. 
Back to Chavez Ravine we go. Hive notes that lesser minds will think that he wants an army, but why need one when everyone is on the same page? It's time for Hive to take back the planet, and Daisy puts her head on his shoulder while he puts an arm on hers, and uh, I think that we are all her. Are, are sickened by the uh, the shipping inversion, which has now gone on to take us to the act break. Dateline, Bucharest, Romania, Matt, for Act 2. Turns out there are these old clubs that uh, Simmons is explaining, and Fitz wants to use this social phenomenon to uh, get into one of these top-level clubs and... Uh, see what they can see about human enhancement. Uh, as the, the carrot on the stick, they have technology eyeballs paging Jordy LaForge. There's also some uh, fun comedy stuff there about lab coats and how they always wear lab coats and how they shouldn't wear lab coats to this. And um, there's just wonderful back and forth between them and Mac. And uh, it, it, I, I can't do justice to the comedy nor the rapport, but both are on screen. And it's mentioned that the room is definitely going to be the rendezvous point for Shoresies. I think we can all agree that as long as Fitzsimmons are wearing raincoats at the end of this episode, it's all good. Oh, my. Back <laughs> to Zephyr 1. Lincoln wants to go on the mission. May says no, you know, given that Hive only infects in humans. But Colson says yes. Assuming that he'll wear this vest of nanothermites. Oh, you mean a suicide vest? No, technically no, because you, Lincoln, can't blow it up. So it's a murder vest, in case Hive gets him. Whoa, Pete, we just went levels of dark here. Many levels of dark. And it's great that these kind of stakes are present here this late in the season, as they should be. Um, they need the help, but... Colson wants to make sure that Lincoln is willing to take this risk here. Back to Romania we go, which uh, at one point my note said Scandinavia. There's a difference. <laughs> I know. I might be American, but I know there's a difference. They're different places on map, I think. Anyhow, in Romania, Fitz and Simmons are at the Nerd Ball. Hashtag it, kids. Hashtag Nerd Ball. And or Fitz Nerd has, Prom, maybe? Nerd prom, nerd ball. I kind of like e nerd. Prom? Yeah, they're all acceptable. Um, Fitz has the his X-ray specs, or at least they're they're mostly X-ray specs uh, that shows all the people in the room have tech upgrades in their body. Interestingly enough, Fitz doesn't see that, um, but uh, it gives the feedback to uh, back to Mac, who's sitting this one out back in the hotel room. I'm sure he's just going to stay there the entire time, but. Um, Really interesting, this notion of uh, tech upgrades to the body. Uh, more on that later. I actually coincidentally read an article on this very topic earlier today in my spoiler-free existence. May and Colson outside are discussing here about the need to neutralize Hive and to extricate Daisy. May, Matt, needs to know what Colson expects of her. And she tells him that she will do his dirty work, but that he should not pretend his hands are clean. It's it's a really compelling scene uh, because, as is stated later, I think that we, nay, the show itself, sometimes takes May for granted. And if you're not giving May may specific stuff, i.e. an arc with Andrew and will she find love, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, she sometimes gets a bit forgotten because she is this reliable stone cold killer who has built up enough of a wall to not look back and not really question the orders once they've been followed. And um, it's, it's just a wonderful moment for her, particularly the irony that she is maybe not happy, but she's accepted the order to ride that kill switch for Lincoln. But now Colson is saying that Daisy is off limits and she's calling him out on this double standard. And it's a necessary conversation with her finger on the trigger for Lincoln. He finally tracks down Alicia, uh, asks if she's seen Daisy. She says that she hasn't. This is cross cut with Daisy uh, checking in on not inhuman 
yet James, um, who he refers to as Flower, which I thought was a, a little cute. <laughs> <laughs> Daisy tells James that this hive is the inhuman that he had told her about. Back we go, as you said, we're we're kind of intercutting here. Back we go to Lincoln, who sees uh, a multiple of Alicia and uh, ducks away. Back again, we go to James, who uh, says that avoiding Hive was probably a good idea, but James has been holding out. There is a counterpart to the Cree artifact, and he has it, right? He says, no, 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 and Daisy then throws what I like to call Pete some Cree dynamite at his feet. <laughs> All of a sudden, the change is happening. We see where things are headed, and uh, it's at that exciting moment that we get an act break. Act three begins with Lincoln hiding in the car garage here from the doubles who tell him they don't want to hurt him. They want him to join. Uh, May is on the way. Uh, Alicia's doubles continue to explain here that there's no reason to stay with the humans. There are lesser species. Matt, lesser species, my behind. <laughs> It's uh, it's quite a nice scene, and uh, listeners to uh, to our other podcasts will know that we've certainly been knee deep in fights over on the Daredevil podcast. We've been knee deep in something, and it starts with S, like a hundred and forty of them. But that's another podcast for another time. Um, Lincoln was quite reliant on the punchy punchy stuff. Uh, he only gives one zap. Um, slight story baloney there, but I get why. Uh, May is en route, and then May is there, and uh, I quite like how May has Alicia number three, uh, specifically the face of Alicia number three, meet uh, with the truck tailgate to the face <laughs> to knock her out. It might in only be face. for one second, but that's when I say, America, tailgate <laughs> in the face. Um, but We're looking for the original, though. And finally, Lincoln uh, has one of them, and he's threatening her with his uh, electrical powers. They want to know uh, where Daisy is, and uh, they explain, the doubles explain that they can't hive, won't let them. So one of the doubles shoots her other double, uh, and then Lincoln is asking why he made us Colson takes out the other one. And Lincoln's rage here is really palpable. I know that we've been told about his temper and, and whatnot, but it's a nice moment for that aspect of his character to come through and uh, and well acted. Anyhow, it turns out, Pete, that neither was Alicia Prime. The story moves to that very same Alicia Prime back at James's ranch. And she's initially pained at having lost her two, you know, copy sisters. Uh, but with a little prodding from Hive, she's reminded that she's so happy to be helping Hive. Uh, and it's also Pete, when James is just about to finish Cree puberty there, he comes out, the, the, you see the last little bit of the stonification falling off of his arm. Turns out everything he touches is fire. He's a fire Midas, if you will. <laughs> Maybe that should be the name, because every name that he floated was, aside from Burning Man, which I think would have been the best... Um, maybe we'll have to put out a poll on that. Uh, but back to Alicia real quick here. She reveals that, uh, so shield has, has come looking for her and, um, hive wants to know if Lincoln is still alive, uh, apart from telling her to rest up here now. So some interesting things regarding some of our other inhumans and of course hives, interest in them um so with james new powers now that he's out of his husk in what daisy called a really aggressive way his insides on fire guess he doesn't need that c4 after all uh he is infected by hive and uh the companion piece matt well he buried it it's what you do in the badlands you bury stuff feelings things whatever it is uh daisy uses her powers to uh open up the ground here and what is it matt 
It's the only thing that can destroy Hive, and in no way is going to be used to end the season <laughs> in the next four episodes over the next three weeks. Chekhov's Cree <laughs> companion device thing. In Romania, we are introduced to Anon, who I was convinced was going to end up being Dr. Radcliffe through some sort of special effect thing, and I was wrong. But I guess that makes my notes more accurate because they say Anon, the totally not Dr. Radcliffe, which <laughs> ends up being literally true, even though I was just trying to pat myself on the back for making that call early. Anyhow, Pete, she's been modified in all sorts of ways, and Mac needs to get out more, which... <laughs> I, I I appreciate the joke that said it's it's kind of like an, an an A B D kind of moment where it's like okay she's got she's got Google Calendar in her arm right Mac is making it seem like she's had um the bosoms augmented it, it's funny even though it kind of it falls apart a little bit under inspection but um. I think Mac's ready for that inspection. Anyhow, Anon said that, says that if Radcliffe is interested in their techity tech stuff, he'll meet them at the bar. There's quite a few people who have been modified in this club here, really kind of firming up that idea. Um, and Lincoln uh, then explains here that this didn't make any sense with Alicia, she never would have done that. She feels Matt every death. And Coulson explains it's for this reason and others that he needs to take Lincoln out of the field. But wait, you can't do that. Uh-uh, I just did. I'm taking your badge and your gun because your mouth is writing checks. Your your body can't cash. And you know what? Daisy would want to keep him safe. Ooh, Coulson played the Daisy card. Coulson keeps talking to May. He's frustrated with the state of things. And May says that he isn't the only one who cares. Coulson realizes then that he expects so much from May and he takes advantage. And he admits that he sees Daisy in the paternal light. A revelation that should surprise precisely no one. That he is not her father, but that she is the closest thing he will ever have to a daughter touching still to hear it delivered out of Clark Gregg's mouth. And then unnamed shield tech explains there's been seismic activity that you had us watch for, sir. In South Dakota <gasps> to South Dakota, they go, but first the narrative to the geek prom Fitzsimmons are going to have that talk. They reboot their comms so that Mac can't listen in. Uh, young love, Pete, thinking they can't be discovered. Uh, they call their connection a singularity. Friendship is linear and simple. Deviating from that, change is exponential. And Pete, they can't return from it. Yowza, that's hot. Just, just heating up in here. It's eloquent in the sense that you have two scientists who are clearly more comfortable referring to the empirical rather than the emotional um and the affinity that we've developed for these two characters over three seasons is is very clear um so sleeping is is going to be compared to crossing an event horizon, which for those of you who aren't scientific, that is the point of a black hole from which there is no return. Not even light, Matt, can escape the pull of a black hole. And Simmons says that it makes this less terrifying. They need to stop thinking and like Nike, just do it. Indeed. With that, Anon goes to get them, and they're off to meet the wizard. But wait a minute, there's no Dr. Radcliffe in there, and that's when I was super sure that Dr. Radcliffe was going to be Anon. But it's revealed that they have a live human specimen who wants that eye surgery. Do the eye surgery. Do it now. Tension, tension, eye surgery, eye being propped open to end the act. After the act break, Pete... Fitzsimmons needs a minute to prep, and uh, Simmons notes that what they're doing is technically unethical, but they've done worse for their employer. And with that, Simmons jams a goddamn needle into the guy's eye, and it's horrific, and it's John Hanna, the brother from The Mummy. Wow, that was quite a turn, and terribly horrific. 
that such language, but uh, having stuck the needle into this prosthetic eye, what tipped it? Well, of course, it was that it was an avian hybrid. There's all this smoke and mirrors, Matt, but Dr. Radcliffe needs to be selective. He believes that art and science are intertwined, that the devil is in the detail. Got it. He's the Steve Jobs of biotech upgrades. It shouldn't look like work. It should be odd. Okay. Uh, with that, there's a quick cut back to uh, James. I say my notes headquarters. It's more like his nice shanty um, and the box. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's underselling it a bit. Or nice shanty. <laughs> it is a nice shanty. No, it's kind of more of a more of um non-moving, formally um, pulled by a truck kind of trailer home which let's hear from our australian listeners what they would call it the uh jankier the name the better and that's not to to, to disparage our uh our australian listeners i just i want i want a funky thing i can call that so when i see something like that on the side of the road uh i can say it to my sister-in-law's australian uh boyfriend and he will get that i'm in the know we ask because we delight in the differences of our lingua franca and 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 Australian English is particularly delightful. I'm gonna make a totally blind guess, Pete, that they're called they're called roo huts. As in it's the hut in which a kangaroo would live. That's the kind of slightly pejorative, you know, fra 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 against it. I'm gonna call it a tucker. <laughs> Anyhow, back to Radcliffe we go. He thinks that uh, tech like this eyeball stuff, you know, that it looks like it could be cyber tech, which, nice writing moment here. Fitz had blushingly mentioned in passing uh, earlier in the episode that uh, the eyeball technology was based on what they did for, uh, for Deathlock. So Radcliffe sniffing it out like cyber tech. Cyber tech, which was Hydra. Are they Hydra? No, no, no. Time for Fitzsimmons to share more. They're S.H.I.E.L.D., but to Radcliffe, it's same difference, which, to be completely fair, given that S.H.I.E.L.D. was Hydra too, we see where he's coming from. With that, um, Anon arm texts the guards to be brought in, and um, Fitz, in a, in a moment of manliness, smashes one with his, uh, with his attaché case there. Simmons escapes, Fitz staying because he wants to say more. And Mac is on the way in here, so it's all coming to a head. Um, with, uh, Simmons explaining here that, uh, what's going on with hive, the parasitic nature of this inhuman wait, Matt Inhumans, they're real. Um, everybody really kind of, uh, centering in on where this is going to go. Back. We go to James, the James estate, if you will, um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I think the show slightly oversold or earlier sold the fact that the, the place was rigged to, to, to blow because I think it was like both May and Coulson hear beep, beep, and I could certainly see flashing lights behind the lamp. And then they look and it's like, this place is rigged to blow. Everybody get out of here. And then they need to jump in the hole and... Um, as it was happening, I was like, all right, story baloney. I don't know much about explosions. I know heat goes up, but I think that if you're just in that whole thingy, you're still going to be affected by the really nice, what appeared to be a practical effect explosion of blowing up the the the, the modest estate. Um, but then, Pete, there's the great uh, fun reveal of the episode. Go, go, Gadget Pete. Yeah, they get in the hole there and... A shield protects them, some kind of uh, force field technology. And Coulson admits he thought it would be cool if the director of shield had a shield. Uh, maybe, Matt, um, he can get a cybernetic one too soon. It was a super fun moment. It's a nice, quick little... Um... Like, it's an inexpensive effect. You know, like, it's just, it's got the, the, the holographic thing to it and whatnot. It's not, 
like, you know, a la the first Batman movie with uh, the way that the Batmobile does the clickety clickety lock thing. You know, it doesn't appear to be physically there and whatnot, but it's it's nice. We've been calling Pete for the go-go gadget hand for a while. I'm glad that uh, finally the people have listened to us. And I think fitting too. We we know who else has a shield that uh, Coulson has a little bit of a thing for. Absolutely. There's also Talbot calling, and that's a storyline that uh, will, will be returned to. Uh, first, though, to Fitz, who is explaining all the deets on the alien parasite. He's explaining it to Radcliffe. Um, the conclusion being Radcliffe is the only one who can help his friend. Boom. With that, his friend arrives. Daisy is on the scene, and chaos is happening, Pete. Back in Bucharest, Matt Fitz uh needs to uh get some help here to save his friend by that he's referring to daisy who is coming to him matt breaks in there simmons was taken away uh she tells her attacker here to stop she's no, not going anywhere without her friend who she means fits and then hive kills that uh, kidnapper there. Pete, to end the act, here Simmons has just said that she won't leave without Fitz. Hive's response, you once said the same thing about me. Which me is he talking about? We'll find it out after the act break. We'll but first, find it out. We'll, indeed we will. But after the act break, we're not with Hive. Instead, James is in the club tonight. He's showing his powers. Great turn of phrase here that surrounding him are designer humans, but they are playing dress up. In one sentence, it distills the uh, snide way in which we've seen in humans on both sides of the good guy, bad guy line uh, kind of look down at, at, at we regular humans and, and our aspirations and whatnot. Mac arrives. Hey, what are his muscles made of? Me. Uh, and he gets a flamey light thrown at him. I hope he doesn't die off screen, Pete. I mean, it's not like they're going to do things off screen in this episode, like take down major bad guy agencies. But that's for a later story. Refreshing that we see a newly minted inhuman embracing the powers. You know, we began the season with with Joey's transformation and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and don't quite know how to handle it. And, and here, fitting that he's at a bar, this refreshing uh, embracement of his uh, powers here, trying to come up with his name. What, what could he be? Inferno? No. Uh, Scorch? That's been already taken. He he checks much later in the episode. Burning Man, but the hipsters have have taken over that one. Hey, Mac has one. How about Blowhard? <laughs> we check in with Radcliffe, who's been taken by Alicia and Daisy, but Daisy's going to stay because she needs to talk to Fitz. Um, intercut with this is Hive revealing that he's got his Will side to him, so it's actually Will kind of talking to her, or at least Will's memories. Um to be clear, we are clear that Hive has taken these memories and now has appropriated them for manipulative purposes. It's not Will's spirit, nor should we expect that there's Grant Ward's spirit in there, although I guess they might go that direction come season's end. We will expect it, Matt, when they tell you. <laughs> so true. Uh, we get a little bit more interplay there with uh, James wondering what his name should be. Firestarter 290s, Inferno likes it but doesn't love it really great dialogue here for james i like that the it, it appears that the writing staff has really been drawn to him because there is just a little extra extra zip to him there's also a nice effect of him throwing his you know gambit-esque bomb towards mac while mac throws a bottle of booze and in classic fantasy style they meet in the middle leading to an explosion but mac was expecting it where james wasn't so james gets knocked down and mac runs away back to go help people and stuff daisy explains here once again that she's seen the future that someone at shield is going to die and the most effective use of the crosscut in this episode nay matt maybe this season is the discussion here both by Daisy 
and by Hive explaining to each member of Fitzsimmons that is in their best interest here to back off, that this is their last warning. Daisy explains to um, Fitz that's th that the next time uh, they come after him or her, she says that he is going to get his neck snapped. Uh, Simmons then shoots Hive and gets away. Yeah, the 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 interplay there is great. The show is not overselling the hive mind that the the infected characters have. I think they've they've hit it perfectly. But here they, I don't want to say over uh, or approach overselling it. Here they just hammer home that it really is one mind. Um, with Hive saying, I'm the one protecting you, Gemma. Don't have to like a dead man like me. It's in your best interests. Cut to Daisy, who's saying to stay away. We don't want to hurt you. It's 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 underlining it in such a positive way to really highlight the, um, the, the connection there. And Pete, as you mentioned, Simmons firing that gun, the gun she got earlier. Chekhov's gun, check. Back at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters here, Coulson explains to may this is the thing talbot is over the uh the comms there about to take down hydra's infrastructure commence decap matt but first let's go to uh simmons and mac mac is back all right at the rendezvous site simmons is there um Mac highlights the need in an episode that does not have a lot of comedy. Mac gets a lot of it um, uh, or a lot of what, what, what there is Mac highlighting that they need to stay there or they'll be out chasing each other all night coming in. Were they here? Yes. No, but blah, 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 out they go again. Um, Simmons definitely has paid good on saying previously that she was going to shoot Ward one day. Now she's done it kind of, um, Mac says how long, you know, well, eventually Fitz comes in. Yay, reunited. Mac asks how long they've been. It, no, no, no. Simmons denies it. But Mac knows the broken comms trick from uh, Bobby and Hunter. It's noted that what they have is new, but it isn't new. Aw. Back at S.H.I.E.L.D., the head has been eliminated. No, it hasn't. Um, just like that, May asks, um... Well, it's not that simple, but this should have been a great day. But it's yeah, not. it's an odd scene, and I appreciate, Pete, that you're teasing that maybe this is not the end of Hydra, which is, hmm, eliminated completely off screen. So there's that. So if you're teasing more, Pete, I'll, I'll, I'll take that to give me hope. Back we go to the rendezvous uh, point. Uh Fitz and Simmons there. Mac is offloading the Quinjet. Wait, Pete, these two young lovers are alone. There's a strum of an electric guitar that says steamy things and also says, says Pete, it's doing it time. Oh, yeah. Except Simmons' hands are really cold. Yeah, can he brave it? He'll do his best to power through, though. That fits. He's a trooper as we end the body of the episode. After the act break, we're on James. Again, this is this is a character that I think they had a certain idea for the character. Then they got the actor, and the actor is adding more than is written in, in the best sense possible. There's just a skip to his step that I really like. Uh, he's wondering aloud if maybe he should go with the name Hellfire. We see that Alicia is there too, along with uh, Dr. Radcliffe, Hive, and Daisy. Dr. Radcliffe says that once they could only dream about the type of genetic modifications that Hive is describing. And then, Pete, we kind of get our big reveal to, uh, to, to leave us with. Yeah. Uh, he bought them a house. Try again. It's the whole town. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, let's start with Hive, the puppeteer of this all, who uh, we see has been adding to his army that he's not calling an army. He's just, you know, recruiting and increasing his numbers of people who have powers, which they use offensively and defensively. So it's basically an army. Uh, he's just uh, on the side of Hive righteousness. So, uh, so yeah, 
nice to see more and more screen time here with Brett Dalton, who who we were concerned was going to fade from fade from from the show. Two things for me: one that he has this seeming distance that he he's not worried or really cares about Shield. He's working on a bigger level, and the second that you know we floated before, we had to know that Will's memories were going to come up at some point and of course they did in this episode pete next on the list it's daisy gone bad yeah uh and get those uh those hashtag votes in at fantastic geek there on twitter whether you want hashtag hazy or hashtag dive there on the uh the ship that the relationships as the rest of the world between those two characters it uh it, it it must have been a difficult place to put this character this week in terms of she's buying into the hive thing 100 percent, but we still need to see more to her than that and i thought that that scene where she's uh where she's choking fits <laughs> I feel like you can see the tension on her face as the the good part of her brain and the brainwashed part of her brain are in tension. Yeah, I mean, these characters have have come of age with one another and as the powered one in the group and now cast in opposition, she still has feelings for them and she wants to protect them. She has this knowledge of something coming uh, in the next couple weeks to affect their fates. So she's doing what she can within this conflict to try to avoid it. But we know that whatever you see has to happen. Pete, next on the list is Alicia Whitley, who's played by Alicia Vela Bailey. And what? more I know. And Pete, it gets better. She is also the stunt double for Adrian Palicki on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Marvel's Most Wanted, and was Bridget Regan's stunt double on Agent Carter. So Alicia Vela Bailey is everywhere. And one more thing, Pete. This past September, she married fellow Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stunt actor Matt Mullins. So talk about it being all connected. This is all really, really connected. Yeah, and they're increasingly giving her more to do, bringing her back into the story here, uh, deepening her character where we find out for the first time that she feels the death of uh, the the doubles that she uh, creates and uh, under the control here of Hive, a, a dangerous asset and uh, just another inhuman for his army. And last but not least, Pete, we have James now newly minted as an inhuman. Yeah, and really enjoy what Axel Whitehead is bringing to the role here. Um, you get the feeling that if they had, Matt, the uh, the rights to some of the ex-humans, uh, you know, they, they begin with an M over there at, at Fox, that maybe they'd go a different route with this Australian actor and, and character you know he's 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 got a little bit of uh, the the wolf guy personality happening, albeit his powers turned out to deal with fire. Hey, you never know what uh, what the future holds, but Axel Whitehead, phenomenal addition to Agents of Shield. We really see uh, more of his sense of humor in this episode, uh, particularly now that he has uh, his fire powers added to him. And uh, just just a phenomenal presence on screen. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize, Matt. This Hydra operation off screen. Yeah, that'll be successful, says the guy in Hydra. What? Uh, I, as stated before, I um I I I hope that is the case because to me it is weak writing to say. And Hydra was no longer a thing. The end. Uh, to not give it its due feels false, and and the notion that they're going to give it more is something that I really take uh, take take heart to. Well, let's remember that the rest of the world, Matt, is days away from Captain America: Civil War. Um, so yeah. 
I'll 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 take you at your word, Pete. I know uh, we we in the the beleaguered, uh, unfortunate United States that you know that don't get uh, these movies as early as everyone else. I guess we'll have to wait a little little while longer. But if Pete, you're telling me that that's going to connect up somehow with some Hydra stuff, well, that that just whets my appetite even more. What does Hive need an entire town for? I don't know. That's a really, really good. Uh, that's a really, really good question. I know he's adding people bit by bit, so maybe there's, <laughs> maybe he needs room and board for the, for these uh, uh, these people he's adding to his non army. Um, I know there's th- th- there was mention there of the um, oh they're gonna gonna try and repeat the the experiment that was done on Hive initially way back when. Um, do you need a whole town for that? I don't know, but but I guess Hive would know better than me. Transmissions. Open the mailbag, Matt. Let's check the wire. We're going to go first to facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek, where Durand Sentinus writes, I know many are upset with the twist ending He's referring to last week's episode, the team. But Duran says he is not. I thought it was actually well done and a reason this show remains so popular. Well, that and the awesome Ming-Na Wen. Hey, you can't go wrong with more Ming-Na Wen. And certainly this is a show that luxuriates in those twists and turns. And more Ming-Na this week. So it's a win-win with more when. Ooh, well said, Pete. To iTunes we go, Matt, where we have a review uh, from Frigo Lay. This was left on April 21st. Uh, the headline is Enjoyable, five stars, and it reads, I started listening to this podcast with season three. I like the structure of the three main sections of the podcast. I especially like their insight into the writer's room, discussions, visual effects, and actor challenges. I also like the occasional banter between the two of you. I have never really looked any further into shows that I have watched. This podcast makes me enjoy AOS more encourages me to watch the episodes again to see things I missed the first time. I haven't listened to any other AOS podcasts to compare, but I don't have any reason to. Keep up the great work, guys. Oh, thank you so much. Certainly, I don't think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tries to be some, some look into the soul of America, but there's more craft to it in most episodes, if not all episodes, than we do an action thing, an action, 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 twist ending, see you next week. There, There's subtlety, there's nuance, there's character moments. Um, part of what makes S.H.I.E.L.D. such a strong show and has different strengths than, say, the Marvel, the, the Marvel Netflix shows is we've been with these characters so long. It's almost 60 episodes at this point. So we have these relationships with these characters and we can look deeper. And uh, it's it's very flattering to hear that we're we're um, inspiring in that reviewer the the decision to look look a little deeper at some of these TV shows, even if it's not, you know, super deep. Now we're going to mix philosophy and law enforcement on True Detective and Fargo. There's there's great TV work going on uh, in all sorts of places, including Agents of Shield. Thanks for coming aboard, Frigole, and for the nice words there. Pete, just want to remind all our listeners that uh, if you enjoy the podcast and want to lend a hand, in addition to leaving a review, or maybe instead of, although I don't know, reviews are easy, uh, you could head on over to Patreon.com/slash/FantasticGeek to help us with those uh, bandwidth and storage costs that help make the podcast go. And uh, we appreciate you even taking a look there. We have some goodies for you, and uh, definitely appreciate the people who've already been by there to uh, to help lend a hand. Yeah, and I will share two of the the promos there, Matt, that will be expiring within the next couple weeks. I start a screenwriting competition on Friday night, and uh, should 
you donate at a certain amount there, uh, you can have a character in one of my uh, screenplays for the contest named after you and receive a copy of the script once it's finished. So if that's something that interests you, you want to be immortalized on the page there, maybe, maybe even one day, somehow, some way, somebody makes that and your name hits a screen someplace, well, get on over to Patreon and uh, donate at that level. So with that, Pete, we will start to wrap things up. Do want to mention that in the coming weeks, we'll be uh, we'll be sharing what our uh, summer podcast plans are. I think uh, I think it's something people are going to enjoy. But uh, most importantly, let's talk with uh, talk about how people can talk with you, Pete, on the Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R seven thousand six. 116 followers, Matt. 616. Horrible number. Okay. Uh, followers can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. We are a fantastic geek that is fantastic with the P and the H, and we're under that name on the dot com, the Gmail, the Instagram, and the Twitter. But there's more, Pete. Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek. Like it, please. <laughs> well, that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners. Can't wait to uh, get into this uh, final bunch of Shield episodes. Certainly exciting times. But time now to give you the final word. No one ever comes to me with their feelings. <laughs> <laughs>